everybody. Welcome to the Survival Show podcast, where it's our job to take you through the mindset, skills, tactics, gear, and supplies that you need to survive almost any disaster, crisis, or emergency. And my name is David. I'm the founder of Ultimate Survival Tips and your host for today's show here with my friend, EJ Snyder. What's up, David? How you doing, buddy? Thanks it's for been that. a long time, man. It has since our last chat we had. I am so glad you're here. It was so happy to see you today. How did I hear? I heard you were here. Somebody yeah. said social uh, media. I think you said. No, I don't know. Somebody mentioned EJ's here, and I'm like, EJ's here. <laughs> I, oh, we were sitting. We were doing. We did four podcasts yesterday oh, okay. here at Chacho, and somebody mentioned you, and I was like, EJ's here, and I literally. Finished, yeah, yeah, the, finished it, and I texted you, and I'm like, oh, dude, you're awesome. here. Let's do a podcast. I'm just so glad you did. I, I wasn't really supposed to be here, but I got called in last minute. Okay. And uh, been uh, uh, Cold Steel Knives. You yep, know, yep. We're, we're working on something. You're always uh, working on something, Not officially man. announced yet. We're still working that out. But I was over at GSM Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, appearances over there the last two days. Uh, always with Topps Knives. You know, I'm doing my right. thing. And then I just had a bunch of meetings and stuff that it's imperative because I'm expanding my business, right. uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, and so I came out last minute. So I missed day one. Okay. I was here for, a, I had an event on day one. So you weren't even really right. planning to come. but no. you, you but spirit led me here. So here I am. Okay, sweet. Your very friend. Yeah. King, the Godfather, Naked Afraid, EJ Snyder, ready to start chatting Gab and whatever else <laughs> skull crushing needs you have about America. <laughs> All right, so, dude, uh, take us all back. Uh, I don't know why anybody wouldn't know you, but maybe they don't know who you are. And so, like, why don't you take us back to your earliest childhood memory and bring us from there right up to where you're at Oh, God, we don't have enough time for that, but we'll do the short version. And if you really want to know more about me, go to www.ejsnyder.com, sign up with your email, and we we do weekly blogs there. We're coming out of the holiday season, so that'll start back up where we talk about everything survival, Tips. Uh, we we talk about Good. America, the problems that we're seeing, crime, things that are affect everyday people. Because you know me, I'm about mindset and the everyday George Jones. So you get my website, ejsnyder.com, sign up so you don't miss any of the updates, so you know what's coming up. Dude, and we're gonna so, talk about mindset too. Yeah, oh, mindset. You just a big reminded thing. me of something because like, yeah, because. Just mindset's everything. Mindset's everything. everything. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back it, to that. It is not just for survival, but it is about everything in life. But we're going to talk about that. We'll so back to me. So I was this little poor little boy growing up in Jersey, little tough Italian neighborhoods, getting bullied all the time, and I didn't like it. So uh, <laughs> learned, uh, went to the outdoors. My dad took us out every weekend, and I fell in love with it. Knew that's where I belonged. It was my escape, hunting, trapping, fishing, camping, rock climbing, hiking, uh, getting on the water, canoeing. And uh, started playing sports and teaching myself how to play sports because, you know what, I hated getting picked last for sports. I didn't want to be the best at anything. I just didn't want to get picked last. Yep. So therefore, I was that dude too, man. Uh, Isn't that something? So many, yeah. so many dudes who are, like, doing something today. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm anybody, right? Well, well yeah, of course you are. But, but like, persistence. Like, yeah. And I, I honestly, I think if you're bullied in, yeah, yeah. in some particular way, like – Get with people who know how to help you get through that. My oh, yeah. mom helped me with that. Yeah, yeah. My dad helped me with that. Nice. Some friends helped me with that. Right. And, like, because it makes you stronger. Yeah, I'm a, right? I'm a big uh, anti-bully advocate. That That's and, right, and, you and are. Getting, Helping kids that are bullied, you know, 
and I can't imagine what they deal with today with social media and everything oh. else. It's just oh, yeah. so so That's much different than when I grew up. But the other thing with the bullying that I found out with through all my um, when in my earlier time when I was you know quasi famous, I started uh, noticing that you can't you can't just help the bullied kid. You got to help the bully because the kid's a bully for a reason. It's either he right. was bullied himself or there's something not going on at home. Right? There's a reason for that. Um, that that emotion, that that cause, that why they're yes. doing that. Yes, yes. Definitely. There's a reason. Right. You can't say, oh, he's just that way. He's a bad apple. Johnny got that way because somebody, something happened to him. And so, right, right. so I played all different sports. I got pretty good at most of them. Football became my thing. But to help build my self-confidence. Oh, and, you did play football. Yeah. I played, didn't know that. Played okay. football, ice hockey. What, uh, what position? Uh, all over the field. I, I dabbled like in that? all positions, but I was extremely fast. Oh, yeah. And and even when I got uh, grew up and got muscular and bigger, I was still freakishly fast for my size. Okay. And, um, that was the one thing I could do in sports that I was better than everybody else. At. I could beat them in a foot race. Okay. And so super fast, which was great. And that was what I when I when I figure out problems, you got to identify the problem. What is my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Right. You take that strength and you 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 multiply. You make it like ten times. So if speed was my thing that I could do and use my legs, all right, that's what I'm gonna. That's gonna be my. That's gonna be my superpower. And then how do I get the other things? Kicking, swinging, catching into play, and then you develop those. And then I'm the kind of guy that if I see a wall or an obstacle in front of me, if I can't go around it, over it, or under it, I'm going right through the middle of it. <laughs> so I'm gonna crush that thing. And so it developed in me very young. A will, an iron will, and a mindset that nobody's ever going to tell me no. Nobody's going to get in my way. And if there's a problem, I'm getting, I'm going to get, I'm going to figure it out. And so with the bullies, I started fighting. I started learning boxing and wrestling. And I was too poor to for karate classes or anything. So my friends, you know, they would go to these classes. And when they got home, I'd say, hey, teach me what you learned. So they're teaching me Taekwondo, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, this nice. and that. So I'm developing a very talented street fighting ability. And I took that on later in life. But that understanding that self-confidence, not that I want to, to beat anybody up. And my mother always said, you, better, you could have the right to defend yourself, but you better not throw the first punch. So in my life, I've not thrown a lot of first punches outside, you know, outside the ring or in combat, but I've thrown a hell of a lot of last punches, I promise you that. And, uh, and, and I always preach not violence, but, but talking. Use your words. Use your brain. Because fisticuffs are only going to go so far. People get hurt. You wind up in jail or whatever. So it's better to talk about a problem and solve it right. than it is to go right to heavy fisticuffs. That took me a lot of years to learn that because I right, was that right, young right. knuckle dragger. Right, right, right. Uh, let's go. So anyway, moving yeah. on. Walk away. I joined just, the Army at 19. Sometimes you just need to walk away. Right. So I was going to be an actor, stunt guy. My mom says, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's what I want to do because I had an aspiration for TV. I was very naturally entertaining as a kid. And she said, you're, I won't allow it. You'll starve. You'll never make it. You can't tell me that. You're my mom. No, no, <laughs> no, you, you're not going to do that. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So I joined the Army, which was another dream. And then she got mad. Well, you did the Army. Well, how old were you? Uh, I turned uh, 19 the day I went in the Army. Okay. So I was 18. So, like, right after, right after high right school? Right after high school. Okay. I graduated 84. Uh, and I gave my age away. There you go. It's okay. I'm, I'm, age is a number. 
Mindset's everything. Oh, that's it. We're mindset again. Uh, so I went in the Army, and I fit like a square peg in a round hole. It worked for me. I And it's one that you put the square peg on the round hole, and you take a fist, and you smash it in there, and, I, and then you're never coming out of it. And I did 25 years in the Army. I was in the infantry airborne. I was a ranger. I was a drill sergeant, a ranger instructor. They taught me. They sent me to survival school. I became a survival instructor, a tracking instructor. So you were a SEER instructor, right? I went to SEER as an instructor later on in life okay. as a contractor when I retired. But I was in the 91 Gulf War. I was in the, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom 2004-2005, 15 months in the Cook Northern Province of Iraq. And uh, retired as a Sergeant Major, 25 years. Uh, and I loved every minute of it. I would do it again, and people say, thank you for your service. I just say, it's my honor. Yeah. My yeah. honor to serve you, and I was very patriotic, and I have a very passion about that being patriotic. Uh, I don't have a passion for an oppressive, treasonous government that's going to oppress us and push us down because I have a certain love for freedoms, and I have a certain phobia. It's a little bit claustrophobia, but it's called the claustroteria, I think is the word. And that's the, um, the phobia of being closed in like a prison or pressing rules on you. So you know I did really well with this lockdowns and COVID. I was like oh, an right. animal climbing the walls. You right. got, what, stay in my house? <laughs> I can't do that. And so, you know, the government is good to a way, but there's a lot of times where they can be overbearing. And so, uh, so I have my own opinions about some of those things, and uh, we'll leave it there. But then um, I got out of the Army. I was doing some TV on the side before I got out in Hawaii. I was stationed. I was on the TV show so Lost. So you really, you really put the whole acting thing on the back burner for put it on the back burner. Years, yeah. Then I just happened to see a sign one day uh, at a, a local bar I used to go to to have a black and tan. That's how I relaxed for the day. It was uh, in Hawaii. So I'm on the lanai. They bring me the black and tan, and I'm looking at all this beautiful tropical this, and that's how I would just kind of chill my day out, you know, one or two, and then and I go home. Well, I saw the sign up there, looking for actors that could portray soldiers in this new. It was a Boeing Future Combat System video, and then I went and I auditioned for it, and they're like, "You're perfect." Of course, I'm a soldier. Of course, I could play this role. It's nothing. And so I went there, and there's other stories to that. But I met a guy there that was older than I. He was the Ivory Stowe baby. His mother was a famous actress. And he walked away from acting because he oh, loved okay. surfing. He wanted construction. And he says, hey, I can get you on Lost. You could do all this stuff. You're amazing. And I had another friend that was a stunt coordinator and saw me on set. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm going to play some background guy thing, they called it. And next thing I know, I'm doing stunt work for Lost. I'm, I'm a minor character named Redfern, who was one of the freighter boat mercenaries. I started out as a U.S. Marshal, graduated to... World traveled snake eating mercenary and uh, Redfern, and it was it really just was like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Somehow, some way, I'm supposed to be on TV, and so I started pursuing it. And then I retired, came to North Carolina, started doing the seer, seer instruction as a uh, as a contractor for oh several years, three three or four years. I did it part time for about a year, but I was doing TV on the side, and I loved the show Survivor. So I auditioned for that multiple times, and I finally got the call. It was cast for the final season, season 21, and then they replaced me at the last minute with Jimmy Johnson, the football coach. And I'm a Giants fan, so that was not cool oh, to do to me. Oh, man. So, But what that did was got my name out. Discovery discovered me, tried me out for dual survival. They picked another guy over me, but they said, EJ, you're the most talented 
survival guy we've seen come across our thing in, in a while. You got in, in talented, we mean you have skill and you've got personality, and we got this thing coming up. So ten years ago, to this day, I'm sitting in Tanzania, Africa, with a strange woman I don't even know. We each got an item, and we got to go out to Tanzania, Africa, for 21 days and figure out how to survive naked, with no shoes, no supplies, and just a bag and a necklace. And Naked Afraid was born. And we have 15 seasons now, nine XLs, two seasons of Naked Afraid alone. And I'm very proud of that. And uh, I've done six challenges now since then. Most famously known for that on TV, uh, 206 days. And what an adventure that was. Led to so many things, opening doors, inspiring others, which was the greatest thing I got out of it, which I didn't see coming, which was uh, the messages I would get after burying my derriere the first time on TV about how people loved watching me pray openly on TV, how my character, my emotion, how I cared for others, and my toughness and mental toughness and physical prowl, being a, a physical beast out there and uh, knowing that you just can't give up. Because in survival, as well as life, there's always one more thing you can do in that situation, and you never give up hope. There's always one more thing you can do, no matter how bad it is. And I tell people this all the time. You don't know your words or your actions you say to another, how it's going to affect mm -hmm. them, change their life, or possibly save their life. And uh, so I've done Dual Survival Season 9 since then. Uh, first ran out season one with Ed Stafford. I uh, was on Mountain Masters as a host over uh, an array of other TVs. And I just finished filming uh, Into the Wild Frontier 1700s, which will be on the Inspire Network. That's that cowboy channel with all. Okay. They bought out all the gun smokes and the, you know, all the good cowboy uh, series, Big Valley uh, and all okay. that. Nice. Mountain Men's on there. And so I caught everybody up, and it's a long story. No, that's good. But, you know, that's that's C.J. Snyder. And. You know, for me, I've taken a lot of the things I've learned through life, the military, through these challenges, and to this day. Now, on this earth, 57 trips around the sun. And uh, I'm not the wisest man on the planet, but I've learned through hard knocks, bruises, and been to the university of hard times. And so I on the, am in the school, and you see our world this day with all this wokeism and all this other nonsense. You don't do people's favors by coddling them and holding their hands. Mm -hmm. Bad days and tough days are coming. You do people's favors by being hard on them. So when those hard days come, they understand what a little bit of mental and physical pressure is. And, uh, you know, I'm the oldest one to complete Naked Afraid as much as I have. And people are half my age, and I love all the, my tri-mates out there. And it shows good communal working through skills as a group, as a tribe. And you need, we are a communal species. We're meant to be together. So you've got to work out your problems and bickering and fighting all the time. That's just part of working through it like brothers and sisters. But my point is, uh, you know, uh, I've got more energy than most half my age. It comes from an old work ethic, I think, that was passed on to me through my mother and my father. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's, it's important. And I always thought, you know, I was always told by my grandfather, you put in a hard day's work always. You wake up before the sun, you go to bed after the sun goes down, and through that day, you try to be better than you were the day before. You work hard. You make something that you found better than it was before. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you have your word, your name, and, uh, you know, 
And that's it. And what, what are your works? And in works, I mean, what are your deeds for that day? What have you said? And then you have to, need to think about it. Every day I do, a, a, I, I get up, I pray, I meditate. Yeah, my big carcass does yoga. Uh, but I meditate and, and figure things out, work it through. And why people go, why do you go out to the wild by yourself all the time? Well, I do that because I hear God's voice loudest in the wild. Mm-hmm. And I particularly like squirrels sometimes better than people because they're just cooler. They they like they don't. They're not as complicated. Yeah, you don't. They don't ask right. for a lot. They dance around. They chipper. Give them a few nuts, and they're yeah, getting happy. Yeah, if you're quiet out there, they come right up to you. But uh, <laughs> I forgot where I was going with this. But anyway, uh, your, uh, Grandpa, your yeah, word, so, your name, and your work. Yeah, that's what you and got. So, by good works, at the end of the day, I pray and ask for forgiveness for the things I didn't get right, the things I could do better, and ask for the strength to keep going, and go every day. And I know there's some tough things out there. We're losing over 22 veterans a day to, to vet suicide, mm-hmm. probably other people after this pandemic out there that aren't veterans and as well as first responders. And I got to tell you, folks, ask for help. Check on each other. Always check in with each other. You got a friend, you got a loved one, you know they're having a bad time. And there's some people out there that would think they'd rather be dead than uncomfortable. And I would caution you to go back to the days of Vietnam where we had John McCain and those like him that were in the Hanoi Hilton and the things they went through. Mm-hmm. And it was bad, bad. But always know that you can go out and the sunshine will hit you on the face the next day. You have another chance. When the sun rises, you get a restart every day. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yesterday doesn't matter because it's in the past. All you have is today and the moments of today. So do what you can the best you can with what you have today. So every day is a fresh start. When your feet hit the, hit, the, hit the floor, you thank God that you're still alive. And you can go be in this world, in the greatest country on the face of this earth, no matter how much we bicker with each other. We're in America. We're Americans, and we have each other. And in America, as they used to say, with Ric Flair, that what we have is the best there is today. Woo! Amen, brother. That's so enough done me, preaching. Let me, <laughs> that's good. That's good stuff, man. Because, because like we've kind of done a turn in this podcast too, starting to bring some practical applications, not just like how to pick a knife. Um, I mean, we talk about mindset, skills, tactics, right. and gear, the importance of all that. But I love these life lessons. Like that's oh, what yeah. I really want to leave people with at the end of the day. Because awesome. It all gets back to mindset. But let me, let me ask you this question because I don't know the answer. Okay. Why are we losing? Two questions. Pick up wherever you want. Right. Why are we losing so many vets, and why do some make it and some don't? That's that is a very tough question. And in each individual that's a veteran that's seen certain things, we can't play that movie that's going on in their head. Right. And if we could, it's we like could, a loop, right? It is a loop, yep. and we could maybe figure it out uh, if we could see it. And we don't know what their Pandora box is or when it's going to open. So there was a little thing in the Army that I remember one of my Vietnam veteran platoon sergeants taught me about that he learned through the Vietnam War, which that most military folks do is compartmentalize things. And you put them in a little box in your head Mm. and you lock it away and it ain't coming out no matter what. I'm going to take it to my grave. But sometimes the lock breaks and that little box might open up. And that's a bad day. And sometimes it creeps out in dreams and things, or it could be a sound, or it could be a a memory of something they see that reminds them of that bad day. And so that has to be healed. 
And they what happens is like I'm naked afraid that you, you know, you go out there and it's long nights. And when you're out there on an adventure and you're by yourself at night, you've got nothing but time. Time can be a bad thing for somebody. An idle mind with with time on their hand can be a very bad thing for people. And so if you haven't settled the demons of your past and you're sitting around a campfire, those that are with you are going to have to deal with those demons, too. So the best thing to do is exercise those demons that you have. And that's an, a, a personal thing. And you mean exercise, like get rid of them. Get rid of them. Yep. And that's a thing that each individual has to do themselves. And they have to come to terms with that on their own. And some people don't have the tools in their toolbox to get there. And so we have to kind of guide them and help them. That's why I'm starting up this year uh, some veterans initiatives to bring veterans out, teach them survival skills, take them hiking. And at night, I do these campfire chats where I do it with my fans. And we stay out, camp out, have s'mores, eat grilled food and talk story and laugh and do some skill stuff, play some games and talk about Naked Afraid and, and to my adventures and t- share some stuff with them. They answer, I answer questions. So I want to do this with the veterans where we sit around a campfire, which is very primal, very native, very something uh, people have been doing since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Social. Social. And get into the mental health of things, open up. Not saying I need to know everybody's dirt, but try to give them the tools how I did it to fix it. We have people that hike the Appalachian Trail and they walk off the war, they say. And so hmm. they have to figure out what is that thing in life that's important to them that matters, that gives them a right, not a right, but gives them a reason to get up the next day and keep going. It could be your wife. It could be your kids. It could be your mom. It could be a, a hobby that you love so much. You want to go hunting or this or that. And whatever that thing is, that key, that's a key. Mm-hmm. That opens up that door and releases those things up. And you grab that so you're not idle. Mm-hmm. And you deal with it. And and each box you have to open up and you have to I haven't settled with all the things I have. Mm-hmm. And I was a, a denier of my PTSD. But here I am, a senior NCO, 25 years, and I think I'm a mentally tough, strong person. So I'm good, I'm and I'm used to not asking for help. And that's people. The biggest lesson I learned in They Get Afraid with my female partners and all my partners is it's okay to be a bigger person and ask for help. And that was a lesson I had to learn a couple of times. And so now it's a strength to ask for help. Mm-hmm. So I think that's some of it. I don't know if I answered the question, but that's my opinion on it. I have a Ph.D. at the School of Hard Knocks, <laughs> and I, I am a doctor by the mercy. I stayed in some hotel last night that was uh, with a bad night's sleep. <laughs> so uh, in, in, in the, in the, in the, in a, and I joke, but in the world of life, I find worldly experience and experiences and intelligence, worldliness is experiencing the world is a much better education than trying to get something formal and going to school, which is a good thing. Uh, but you don't have somebody telling you their opinions and beliefs. You experience it real time. And those lessons, it's like we call it pain-based learning. When mom says, don't touch the stove because it's hot, and you're a kid, and you go, what? Oh, oh, that was hot. No, was it really hot? And you touch it again, and it burns you. And you go, good Lord, that was really hot. No, I, one more time. Ow! Yeah, it goes in a memory bank stored in your brain that you'll never forget. And I found pain-based learning is the best life lessons in, in education you can get in the world. Uh, where education is great, uh, like I heard recently in Tulsa King, Sylvester Stone playing, uh, playing this character, Dwight Manfredi, said just like this, hey, you know, 
you go there to college, and what they show his employer is that you, you, you go somewhere, you have a certain amount of tests, you show up on time, you do the test, you complete the work, and you do it again and again, and you don't complain. And after four years, you've done that consistently. That's what a degree tells you. It doesn't matter what it's in. Now, it's probably a bad Sylvester Stallone accent. I normally could do it better. <laughs> but I'm a little punchy today. Huh? <laughs> so, so let me just go out on a limb here. Has your spiritual life had anything to do with your personal healing? Well, if everybody knows my logo, they, they ask me about this all the time. 333 is my number. It's an angel's number of balance, of, of taking things. There's a lot of meanings to 333. But one of them for me is mind, body, and spirit. And all those things need to work. And why is threes important? The strongest, um, the strongest object and shape geometrically is the triangle. It's perfectly balanced and supports each side equally. Why do you think the pyramids have been on this earth for so long? And yeah, yeah okay, some of them are four-sided. Got it. But they're triangles. But 333 is my number. And I believe everyone needs to have their mind, body, and spirit all in synergy with each other. And you have to work on each of them equally. So, for instance, um, your mind has to be sharp. And every day you should exercise it with word puzzles or crosswords. Read something. Get yourself off that phone playing games or whatever. Mm -hmm. Have great deep thought conversations and prayer with yourself and others. Body is your physicalness. With the, your body's the temple. If it's not right... Other things are going to break down. But then there's the spirit side. Now, I grew up as a Christian. I was a Roman Catholic by, by birth, baptized. But I had a quest for, for religion because I felt, well, what makes this one right over all these other religions in the world? I even took a college class that was basically a religious experience. It was world religions. Woo, was that class rough. But I loved every minute of it because it answered a lot of questions about religions. And most all of them outside of Satanism uh, pretty much have a set of golden rules to live by and pretty much preach do unto others as you'd have on, do unto them and be a good person. And and then they have their own interpretations by that. But for me, as I evolved, I, I, I'm part Native American, so I went back and studied how the Native Americans worship. And then I started doing some whole um, spiritualistic things, other uh, shamanisms and things like that, because I, I thirst for knowledge. I quest for knowledge and answers. And I found that there's really no answer other than your relationship with God, however it is, is a personal thing. It's, it's a personal thing. I feel that the Bible's been rewritten over 2,000 years by man with its interpretations. This is E.J. Snyder's opinion, so don't come beat me up, you know. Uh, Father, Fra Fa Father Francis, you know, Father, you know, don't forgive me. But this is what I feel, and that man has put his hand in it and said, well, you got to go to church. You got to go. You got to go give your tithe. You got to do this. Well, the Bible says if two or more of us are gathered in His name, we're in church. Jesus didn't have four walls necessarily all the time, right, right, right. and so we sit down and pray. And I hear God's voice in the spirits out in the wild because I see all the trees. I see His magnificence see, all around you me. See the creation, the right, water, right. the creation. Yeah. So I know He exists in the wild. And for me, that's what works. And I'm not saying church about things. I go to churches. I love the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the singing. And that's good. And I go there when I move to go there. But understand, well, what about tithing? Well, I probably tithe more than most people, probably twice as much. And when I give a waitress or a server, rather, excuse me, a server, a tip, 
and it's based on what they provided and what uh, and then i think about what are they going through in their life mm -hmm. how i can help them well i'm gonna give them a little more and i can't outgive the universe mm -hmm. no matter how hard you try you can't get out give the universe so i could go freely giving out money uh, here i i'm probably having I'm, even when i was tight on money here's a homeless person in the road mm -hmm. here's 20 bucks brother god bless you i'll say a prayer for you what he does with that $20 is not me. That's his choice. If he decides that day he needs to go buy a 40-ounce a, a, a thing of beer and maybe a, a, a sandwich, that was his choice. He may choose to do something else with it, maybe fix his life. I don't know. That's not for me. My thing was to, to bless him. Right, right. Okay, so it, it, yeah, where your heart is is, is what's yeah. the important part. Right, right. God's speaking to you. Give, give, right? Yeah. And so yeah. every day it asks for forgiveness because I know I always have to ask for that because I'm an imperfect, I'm a perfectly imperfect person. <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, almost not to, this is not a, a Christian or religious podcast Correct. by nature, but I'm, I'm a, but, but spirit, but, but spiritual. But and, and, and I, it, what I hear you saying is, yeah, is the Bible is what it is. Jesus said what he said. Right. And, over the last couple of thousand years, give or take, we've interpreted that and made different interpretations. Of different it. interpretations. Doesn't of say it. it's wrong. I'm a, yeah. I wasn't saying that. So please, yeah, yeah. Thanks no, for I clearing knew, that I up. I knew exactly what you're saying. But, yeah. but spirit in a survival situation in life is incredibly important. Mm, mm -hmm. People see me out there on Naked Afraid. It's a very tough situation. Like, how do you get through it? I'm praying all the time. I, I, I've set aside purposefully. 20 minutes to meditate and pray and put my intentions and my uh and my uh my wishes up to the to the universe and to god to grab and and guide me to making those happen and and sometimes you people sit there and say you're not answering me he's they are he is listening to you and he's going to answer your prayer at the perfect time when you're supposed to have that answer so i never question it I go out on blind faith, and I'm blessed to be his vessel to impart words, wisdoms, and actions to others, and it's his glory, not mine. Mm. I'm just the tool. Yep. Good stuff. Bro. There you go. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for showing up today. <laughs> yeah. So let's just take a little spin back. Skull Crusher. What's up with that? What? My knife or me? <laughs> it is a nickname that came about. Um, long time ago. It's a it's peace, love, and skull crusher. Yeah, and 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 it's just uh, it, it was you know in the army you get many nicknames. It's oh, enduring right, right. terms. Yep, yep. You know I've been called so many things like because I was a point guy and I would go through the through the woods of thickness and there'd be a a, a cleared path by the time I got to the other side so they called me Dozer, and so you know and I've been called Moose because of my my girthiness and. Different things like that, and Sasquatch or whatever. So, you know, I didn't like bullies, and I liked scrapping, and fighting was something I learned to become a love with as a warrior. And, you know, we had this guy that used to sucker punch people at the barracks, and he would get a little bit intoxicated, and he would sucker punch these guys. And one time he sucker punched one of my friends, his fist come flying by my head, and he popped him so hard, his eye busted open above his eyebrow, Blood spitting out all over me. I turn around and I see this guy sitting there, and he was, you know, stumbling and he's, uh, he's yelling at my friend. And I was like, "What?" I turned around, I shoved him down. I was like, "What is wrong with you, man?" And he's like, oh, "I'll teach you." I'm like, "Look, 
you're better off sandpapering a grizzly bear's ass than tangle with me. Go ahead and throw some water on this rattlesnake and see what happens. You just lay there. So I turn around to help my friend. I get him up. I'm looking at his eye. I'm like, oh, man, dude, we got to get you to go mm. to the emergency room, get mm-hmm. you some stitches. This is popped open. Next thing I feel is a piece of glass of something smash on the back of my head. I still to this day don't know if it was a full beer bottle, a glass mug, because we're at a little party. And I just turn around. And I get bloodlust in my eyes. My eyes turn red when I'm ready to go. Hair standing up on the back of my neck like a, like a wolf. And it's this guy. Mm. So I go ahead and I crack him. I was known for a right cross from, from, from heck that I could pop a guy. And I put down a lot of men that way. And he stroked first. So I hit him. He stumbled back. And I pounced on him like a dang hyena and started wailing on him. And everybody pulled me off him. And I was like cursing at him. And I was like, Wah. And I saw my friend. I knew he had to get to the hospital. I was like, I was like, said a few choice words to him. I walked away, took my friend to the hospital, got him stitched up. And so the next day, I'm walking to the formation. Uh, and I start hearing, hey, Skull Coach, hey, what's up, Skull Coach? Hey, what's up, Skull I'm like, what the heck these guys going on? So I get in the platoon formation. I look over, and I look down at the other formation, a couple platoons down. And there's this guy. And I won't name him, but he's got bandages on his cheekbones, and his face is all black and blue. And apparently, uh, a fraction of few of his... Uh, his uh, uh, facial plates, and uh, so that was uh, crushed his skull, essentially. And thank God I didn't kill him, mm. you know, mm-hmm. or, or hurt him worse. But he needed to be taught a lesson. He never sucker punched anybody after those days again. And then I was known in the ring for hitting guys so hard, even with gloves, that they were getting hit with cinder blocks. And so, in during term, Skull Crusher was kind of born. I embraced mm. it. I was kind of a, a wrestling fan over the years, so it just seemed to fit. And now I just... It's more about an attitude now, and it's like I talk, tell people all the time. I go through life with skull-crushing sense. It's more like it's kind of like common sense, but with an edge and attitude. And it's mm-hmm. about getting after life and getting after it, and trying to make good decisions uh, with what the tools are, that's been God given to you. And so let's go skull-crushing stuff. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. No, I understand. I never asked you that before. And obviously, I when I was. You know, bodybuilding in the day, I was six foot three. At my my peak, I was 285 pounds at my heaviest at 9% body fat, 20-inch biceps, and hands of stone. And just, uh, I always felt I wanted to be a war machine. And, you know, if the battle runs low and you're out of ammo and you don't have blades on you, then it's fisticuffs and you better be able to handle yourself. Mm-hmm. And I always said that if when I go to war, I want to be able to return back to my loved ones. So... You know, there you are. And you did. Because uh, you're here. I'm here. Two wars later. Wow. War is something that uh, is an experience within itself that I wish on nobody. Yeah. How can people serve and approach veterans better? Um, and there's a lot of help going on out there. You know, we see our Vietnam veterans, we always say welcome home because they had it the worst coming back from war. Yeah. And when you see a veteran, you can thank them. But understand that veterans are very humble. Mm-hmm. Even active duty, uh, you know, soldiers, Marines, airmen, uh, sailors, they're, they're Coast Guardies. They're, they're going to be very humble about it. And they will graciously either say thank you or you're welcome. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. For me, I always say my honor. Mm-hmm. It was my honor to serve. I'd do it again tomorrow mm-hmm. because I willingly went and volunteered to do this. Um, and I've sacrificed my own rights so that everyone else could have theirs. So what I would encourage people is if you see a veteran – 
at a restaurant or whatever, you can quietly buy them a meal. And because they're humble, we're humble people. And so you could just say thank you, give a touch on the arm, or you can donate to any of the many veterans charities that are out there and just help out a little bit. And you got to, with charities, all of them, whether they're veteran or not, you got to check to see where, how much percentage of your <laughs> donations going to really help somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just check in with each other. I tell veterans out there all the time. Check in on your war buddies. Check on your battle buddy. Mm-hmm. And we have a really good network. Like one of my older units, the Gimlets, one, two, one. They're very good about staying in touch with each other because I personally have lost way too many friends. Senior guys, colonels, sergeants major, master sergeants, first sergeants to, and these are senior people that have done 20-plus years or better, some 30 years, and are successful in the outside world. And you just don't know what those demons are. Somebody's fighting. And they're doing it quietly and alone. And to end it, in, 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 and for me personally, my opinion is suicide is a selfish act. Mm. You've been given a gift by God of life. And there's some that have been taken too early that would love to have that air in their lungs. So before you would do that act, I would I encourage you to think about a few things. What are you leaving behind in your life and who's going to be pained and there's another better way to handle things than to just exit. And you're going to leave a great void in life because you matter. You really, really matter. And you need to believe in that. And you need to find out why you're feeling this way. And there's always something better that if you, let's say you take yourself out and you go away. What if God had another plan for you that you were supposed to be around another year and something, you were going to be driving down the road and you were a medic in, or an EMT person on a, or a paramedic on an ambulance and you come across a car that drove off the road and you're the only person that's going to be there to save those people in that car that day and that little girl that you just saved was going to go on to be a doctor and cure cancer. Mm. What gives you the personal right to take that away and cheat the world of a cure for a And this is how I think in my brain. I'm a second, third, and fourth orders effect guy. And with every uh, action, there's a definite reaction, and something's going to happen. And so be that stone thrown in the lake that sets that ripple forward and do it in a positive way. So, folks, if you see them, ask how they're doing and check on them. And you're not going to always know what their demons are, but if some person – is in trouble. You just don't know unless you s- at least say hi and say, hey, you're doing okay. And if you don't hear from somebody a while, just send them a, a little text message or a, a one of them emojis, like a little heart or a little whatever. And that little act of kindness could be the one thing that saves a life. Mm. But suicide is real. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a very bad problem in this country right now. Uh, and it's, it's just as bad as the fentanyl crisis we got going on. So, you know, it, it's it, you know, I lost my brother to addiction, so that that's another problem in this world. Uh, and people start looking for things to they're suicidal. Then they start they drinking a lot more. Mm-hmm. Are they are they now that marijuana is legal in a lot of states? Are they smoking too much? I mean, I don't. All those things are handy. They're all good. They're we use marijuana for healing veterans and pain and manage, pain management. But everything. Needs to be done with some control, responsibility, and, and, and intolerance. And, and with, you know, overdoing anything, gambling or whatever, can be a bad thing. And, and so 
when you indulge in your little vices, just just enough. You drink too much coffee, you're going to drive everybody in your office crazy. Because you're going to be... You're going to talk too much like EJ's doing here on this podcast. So he's going to yield the floor to David right now. Dude, this is all really good. How about this? What do you think the biggest threats are out there now? This is wide. It could be our country. It could be... Well... It could be like in a preparedness sense. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on in this world. And if you say one of the biggest threats is a lot of encompassing things that all tentacle together. The biggest thing, in my opinion, at this moment that's a threat uh, is there is a thing going on in the world. You could say you're a conspiracy theorist or whatever. I, I don't believe in tinfoil hat things. I just observe what I observe. Mm-hmm. And that's how I make my opinions. And so... We have an elite class in this world, and it's not just in the United States, it's all over the globe, that thinks they know better than everybody, and in my opinion, are trying to play God. And so they, just because you've made billions of dollars, you're a smart guy. You were very successful. And just because you made that money doesn't give you a right to try and throw it around where you feel best that you don't like beef and you want to make plant-based crap, pardon my French, but that's what it is, uh, to substitute for meat. Or you want to own all the land so nobody else can go on it or enjoy it. Or you think, oh, I've got all this money and we've got to do all these vaccines or do this or that or do that. We are a free-minded species and God gave us the right to choose and know right from wrong and to make these choices. And it's not for somebody else to tell me how I want to do something. Um, I don't care how you live. I fought that right for you to, if you want to go do whatever you want. Marry whoever you want. Live your life the way you want. That's fine by me. Just don't press on me telling me I got to accept it, like it, or I got to live that way too. So I don't like all these rules coming down, these mandates. You got to be careful about giving away your freedoms. Mm-hmm. Freedoms of speech, freedoms right to bear arms, because they're little dominoes. And when one domino starts, you're going to want the next domino and this domino, that domino. Don't think that governments have your best interests at heart all the time. You're, you're allowed as a citizen to question your leaders, mm-hmm. and you should get it clean, truthful answers. And I think we've gotten to a very bad place in the world. All governments are – there's <clears throat> power mongers. There's people that have evil in their hearts to want to do evil onto others. And they're using their power, their influence, their money to do it. And what happens? That You're talking a small, what, probably 1% of these people are doing that. Maybe 5%, but I don't think it's that big, to the rest of us. And if you're a blind sheep, and you're going to be a sheep in this world, you will blindly be led to the slaughter. I would rather have, I'd rather have a, a, a hundred sheep led by a lion than a hundred lions led by a sheep. Mm. So be a lion. And hear yourself roar in this world and be a positive force for these things. So for me, that's one problem. Uh, Another problem is we have all these falsities about uh, the environment. And, oh, my God, and the cows are pooping. And so we got cow gas. No joke. No joke. There was a special. I don't know what country or if it was a state in the United States. Right. They were were – what's that? France. It was France. It was France. So they're looking at legislation – to put masks on cows and diapers. <laughs> so <laughs> Leave it to the French. Leave it to the cows. So the news program I was watching, they had a lady in Texas or something oh who runs God. a ranch. And she put 
they showed a diaper on a cow doesn't work, right. and then putting a mask over a cow, it can't breathe. Yeah. And it's it's not happy. No. Yeah. They won't be that. <laughs> an unhappy cow, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, will crap more. <laughs> their stomach's upset, their whole system's upset, and then the milk's going to taste sour right out of it. So stop it. <laughs> stop it. Leave the meat alone. We're carnivore species. I always found people, you know, everyone has their choices. And I've, I've ate vegan, not by choice, a couple times. And it's, it's good. There's some ways you can eat the protein stuff. But my point is, you know, cow gas going on. What, what happened, you think, millions of years ago when the dinosaurs, who were much larger than cows, were crapping all over the, the, the earth? Maybe they were the cause of the extinction and meteors came down. My point is that this world, Mother Earth, which and and I'm and let me tell and I'm not against you know protecting the earth and the environment. I mean I'm a tree planner. Conservation is conservation. Yeah. You know we need to treat the earth. It's the only one we yep. got properly. Overdevelopment's bad. I'm a, I'm with all those things. So we have to have a good balance, a, a real conversation about. It. We can't just say oh it's everything's bad or right. everything's you know we have There's to a balanced everything. A balance, correct. So I'm not saying environments are all are, are wrong in some cases, but you can overdo something too. And so, you know, the world is a living, breathing thing. And it's for long before we, any of us been here, it goes through cycles. Mm-hmm. I'm sure droughts, they've happened all the time. Climate change or whatever you call it, you know, gases, uh, earth warming, uh, uh, you know, atmospheric uh, greenhouse effects. Those, those things happen. The earth is going to take claim, reclaim itself. It's going to make it right. And it happens through volcanoes and natural disasters. And sorry, that's, in my opinion, just God and Mother Nature cleaning the earth, cleansing it, and moving out. I'm not saying it's a way people are to be taken from this earth, but everybody has a, a number, and their day comes, and it marks it. It doesn't matter what's going on that day. You're, you'll be called to heaven and all that. But I, I think we get too over-constricting with rules and these regulations, and and it, what it is is people, we're a communal species that should come to together with different opinions and be respectful of everyone's opinion, whether you're on the right, the left, the middle, don't care. And, and everyone's opinion matters. Mm-hmm. And we have to respect each other's opinion. You can't just say because, let's say, you're on a free-willed liberal state of mind, you're going to yell at me and you're going to say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, because you have a very conservative view on that. My way's right. And I'm going to say, as a conservative maybe thinker, well, you have a right to be angry with it. But my opinion matters, too, and, and be accepting and tolerant of their opinion mm-hmm. and others. And it's just until we can cl- unclog that difference where people think one way and we think another and this person thinks that way, we need synergy. And the only way that stuff happens is with flow, open communications, dialogue, respect for each other's opinions, and find a way to make it work. I'm all for getting all the plastic out of the doggone ocean. It's mm-hmm. killing our fish. Mm-hmm. doesn't need to be there. And so I hate people that throw trash away. I hate these plastic bottles. It's just too much waste and trash and resources in the earth, and it's not good. It's not good. So, But let's fix it, th- let's fix it together. Let's fix it together. Is right, my, right. This is what I'm trying right. to say here, folks. Yep. It's not like I'm against someone for being an uh, environmentalist and this, oh, I think being – uh, draconian on every level is wrong. You need mm-hmm. to be in the middle where everyone's agree. That's what we call community, communal communism. And they say, well, that's communism. Well, 
communism in theory has its, it has its, you know, if you look at it by its foundation in a perfect sense, in a perfect utopia where everyone's exactly equal and right and the leader's not trying to be the, the power monger, it would work. But what the problem is in our world is that, man, there's men and women and people out there that want all the power. They want all the toys out of the sandbox, and you're only going to get one to play with. Mm-hmm. And they want that they feed off that power and that greed and those evil things that drive them, which will make it never work. You know, a free market society, capitalism, for me, I think is a better system where people have free choice and the ability to compete and be competitive. And the great American story where some kid can grow up in the Bronx, New York, mm-hmm. And gr- come from very simple means and in a, in a, in a, in a poor life and can study hard and work hard and do good and go to school and go to college and use the freebies that are out there and use the benefits and work the system in a right way that they could become a doctor or a lawyer or a Ben Carson. You know, mm-hmm. like he, there's a perfect example of somebody that's, you know, worked his way and, and became a, a brilliant man, a successful man. Everybody can do that. Everyone has a right to that dream. By merit. By merit. Yes. Yeah. And no one should. And working hard. Yes. Working yep. hard. And you shouldn't be wanting to have something given to you. When you're just given something, you don't respect it as much. You don't value it as much because it was just handed to you. Yep. When you work for something and you've earned it, you, it has greater value to you. I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody out on the floor. Right. And they said, we had an employee that called in yesterday and said, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not feeling it. Right. So oh. they, did, they got fired. I, I think that's a appropriate response. But if you're yeah. not feeling it today, you're probably not going to feel it yeah. next week. Wow. Isn't I that feel, crazy? Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's a generational thing. It's a generational thing. Happening. Yeah. And I think COVID uh, and some of this lockdown stuff created a lackadaisical society uh, in some ways. It was, I don't think it was a good thing, locking people down. Again, we're communal. <laughs> and so in a sense that they put everybody in jail by these mandates, and you can't go anywhere unless it's absolutely necessary. And to have that thought, what, what caused a person to have that thought to think, it's okay not to show up today? I signed a con- You signed a contract that says you're going to show up and do a certain job, and you're going to get paid a certain amount of money to, for, you, for your efforts. And you're just not going to show up? That doesn't fly with me. Mm-mm. I mean, when I'm a leader and I'm in charge and I was a senior leader, but everyone, I mean, I'm not going to be incompassionate with people, but sometimes there has to be someone that has to be the bearer of bad news and has to make the tough decisions when others won't. And you have to be frank and honest. And, you know, you know all this stuff about, oh, I want $15 an hour for flipping burgers or this or that or this and that. And you don't, do, you know, you don't do a good job's worth of fifteen bucks or whatever. Uh, uh, you know, those jobs are meant to be starter jobs to get you yes. to the next level, not as a career path. Unless you like being in the McDonald's or whatever, and you're going to be a manager or something, or you have aspirations. That, I mean, it has its purposes, and I think everyone should get paid within what the economy's doing to help them go. And now, maybe at this point, maybe fifteen bucks is what everybody needs, and that's still not enough. So I'm changing my thoughts a little bit on that subject based on where the economy's mm-hmm. at right now. But my point is, 
you know, if you don't people like... People are looking for quality people. Yeah. Use those early experiences right. to develop yourself, to be the best... Best you... The best... Yeah. I, I don't care. Best you, cl- you can be. Yeah. Is it cleaning toilets? Is it emptying trash cans? Whatever it's, it is. We've all done that. Uh, brings up... When I was a private, I, oh, you're a brown noser, Snyder. <laughs> I don't know why. You're always volunteering to do everything. Sarge asked for volunteering right up. I'm like, well, you know, I want to be accountable. I want to do good. Guys didn't do that. I and did the same thing. Yeah. yeah they yeah, didn't do that. Yeah. I'm like. And I got the best jobs yeah. in the end. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, why do you like cleaning toilets? I'm like, look, if my job's to clean a toilet, that's going to be the best looking toilet that I can clean. Why? Because that job represents me and the task I just performed. Yep. And I, and I look at it. And nobody that gets over the, the, to the urinal to pee in it next thinks, oh, look how good Snyder cleaned this thing. They're just going to say, wow. That's a clean toilet. All right. Makes peeing in this a lot better. Let me dirty it up. <laughs> and then I got to clean it again. But my point is, you know, if you create that in yourself, volunteerism, trying to be the best you can be in life, that's a, it's, it's a, um, it's a addictive. Stone. Yeah, yeah, it's addictive. It's contagious to others. Yep. Positivity is contagious to others, just like negativity. So if you want to change an attitude or a problem or a workspace where it's, you think it's a bad work environment, try putting some positivity into a mm-hmm. situation. Speak positive words. Speak words that mean what you're trying to say. Not a negative word, but a positive word, an action word. Hope is not a course of action. Don't use the word hope. Say to somebody, I hope you have a great day. Say, I wish unto you a blessed day and have an amazing day. That is my wish for you. Because a wish is much more powerful and greater than mm. hope. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I earlier said, never give up hope. That's a different context of the meaning. Because mm-hmm. you need to keep hope in your heart because it's a reason to keep going. It's way different than using the word hope as a verb. That's your E.J. Snyder skull crusherism 101 for the day. All right. Leadership Class, where's my apple? There it is. Three minutes. Leadership 101. All right. I'm eating an apple. Okay. <laughs> Leadership 101. <laughs> if you're a leader, always lead by example. Never ask your subordinates to ever do something that you wouldn't do yourself. Two, lead from the front. When you're leading from the front, that means you're leading your people, you're guiding them correctly, you're providing clear, concise guidance. You're motivating them, which motivation is inspiring others to get to the goal of the objective to complete the mission and complete the task at hand. And three, lead with your heart. Be compassionate to your subordinates. Treat them as if they're your own kids. And guess what? Sometimes kids need to be spanked. Sometimes they need fair and just discipline so that they learn and don't do that again. And then you reward them when they do good. And there were many times where my company commander would bring uh, a, a certain soldier in for UCMJ action and they're getting disciplined and they're going to lose maybe some money or whatever. And they would do something stupid. And sometimes it was maybe not fair, like if you treat one private that's single versus another one. Well, a single guy hasn't evolved in life so much. I'm not banging a single guy, but he hasn't committed to a marriage and a family. So he has some growing to do, but he has other things but when a kid came in the office and he had a family 
He's committed to that family, a responsibility, and you're going to compound the problem mm. when you take some money away from this kid. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There were some things that people did that were so wrong, they, they had to lose some dollars. But I always tried to advise my commander, you, we have to love this kid's family more than he did on that day of his action. Mm. Because you're now punishing the family by taking money away from them, that's food out of their mouth, that's gas out of the car so that the wife can go to the grocery store, take the kids to school. There's a lot of second, third, fourth orders of effect. And so we used to hand out punishment in a way that it was equal to all. And I used to really hate taking away money and rank from kids. Sometimes it was warranted. And, you know, but if it wasn't so drastic where anybody didn't get hurt, lost a life or ruined any equipment, let's, let's just take time and, Time and uh, uh, time and some uh, 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 freedoms away from him in terms of they're going to be on the first sergeant's farm doing some chores, and promise you this that when they got done doing E.J. Snyder's chores for the day, and I used to do in very creative ways to teach them lessons while they did it, they wasn't want to going to come back in that office to do that again. They uh, we would be able to give them 15 days restriction and extra duty, and they would be my on my work detail. And uh, they would always say, oh, I'd like to appeal for a 45-day field grade with the battalion commander because at that period in time, it was th that they were, they were a little easier on them for 45 days than what they were getting with me. Uh, but it's all in how you do things. So that's my point. As a leader, you have to be creative and think outside the box and be, you know, team-building events and things that are going to make your unit stronger because – if I was to poke you with my hand openly and poke you with a finger, a finger is a weak uh, digit, and you're going to break it. You can't strike with a finger without it being as effective as if you take your four fingers and your thumb and curl it into a fist. Now, you're talking individual. As an individual is a finger. That's an individualism. Mm -hmm. To team effort, and you make a fist. How much more strong is a fist and more powerful when it strikes Versus just a finger, so always build a fist in your in your team, versus all these little individuals out there. I mean, there's some good about individualism, but it's not as effective as when you're doing team stuff. So there right. you go. Right. And what I hear too in that last part was understand those you're leading, and raise people up through adversity, and always. Empower people. Empower people. When you empower people and you give them the trust and the confidence in themselves that you're giving them a responsibility and you know they're going to do to get the job done, they do it right. When you empower a team uh, as a leader, you empower people. Good things are going to happen for you as, a, as an organization. And don't don't try to be controlling of people all the time. Control the action. Don't control the people. Empower them. Like their sub-leaders be empowered. Give them some authority to make some decisions. That way, when you get them out there to do whatever the thing is you're doing, your task, it'll be multiplied. Like that little ripple in the pond I was talking about earlier. Rogers Rangers, over 250 years old, still has his 28 standing orders. If, if I'm saying that number right, if, if, I, if I've got the number wrong, Rangers, forgive me. But Rogers order, Rogers. Roger's standing orders still stand in our Ranger handbook today, the modern Ranger handbook. And it was a series of things and orders that everyone had to memorize because they didn't have a lot of writing utensils and books then. You know, They memorized them, and he always knew. If he wasn't around, 
he had his standing orders that would guide them in the absence of leadership. Mm -hmm. And he had he had his uh, standing orders, and we had the Ranger Creed, and and those things. And, and he had another thing, but all those things that you had to live by. Rogers' rules. He had his standing orders. He had his rules that if he wasn't there, the next person in charge could step up or they could individually understand they had certain things to do. So if you incorporate some of that consistency in your organizations, that's also helpful. Right, right, right. Clear, concise rules. Yep. You know. It's like the Boy Scout creed. Like all the Boy oh, Scouts yeah. memorize Boy that, Scouts, right? That's another good yep. example. Yep. Be prepared. Yep. Good stuff, man. Really good stuff. <laughs> Listen to EJ, everybody. Hey, I'm not the brightest tool in the box, but boy, I am big and I am loud. <laughs> Dude, we have some things on the table, hmm. and we've done this for some other recent podcasts, too. Yep. So what do we have on the table? Very interesting. I'm looking at this. What, what is that? Okay, so I... You'll have to explain it. We're looking at a knife. I'm looking at a couple knives and a right. couple sheaths here. So this knife I'm holding here, um, and everybody knows I've designed some knives with top knives. The SXB, the Skullcrusher Extreme Blade, which I designed... Well, basically, oh, shoot. My knife broke 10 years ago in Africa, and I wanted that never to happen again. And I was designed it as a modern-day Bowie knife because I was a big – I always carried Bowie knives. I'm a traditionalist. I love the old pioneer days. I love the story of Jim Bowie, Daniel Boone, and the big fighting with the knives. And so, and then Rambo had his Bowie knives, right? So I always loved Bowies. So I always wanted to collaborate with somebody and create a Bowie knife now, this knife I'm holding is by Stroop Knives. I collaborate with a kid named Stroop Knives out of North Carolina. He's a veteran. He only hires veterans and former police officers and family members to work in his business. He's a small business owner, been probably officially up about a year, but he's been doing it a little longer than that. And I said, I loved his knives. I loved his story. We connected right away. He has a very unique thing about it. looks almost Viking-like. It does. It does this little jinting That's up top. That's yep. But a traditional Bowie knife by traditionalists will say it's a – you know, 12 to 15-inch blade, some say 10, with a point, drop point, and a straight spine with a guard, top and bottom, and a straight handle in the back. And now, as modern times go, you've, you see different versions of them. They're still boonized by the classification. So I want to design – I always like to design things that catch your eye and are crazy. So Stroop had this knife he designed with, like, this humpback on it. So my spine – has three peaks on it. Looks almost like a mountain peak. It does, yep. So my knife is called the Mountain Predator. I all, I'm a mountain man. I'm called to the mountains. So I want to design a knife, and this is the Mountain Predator Survival Combat Buoy. And it's doesn't have. It has a guard on the bottom, not on the top, because I need it thumb jinting mm -hmm. and a thumb hold so that you could do your survival task with. Yep. It's light. It's an eight inch blade with a handle, straight handle. It's got this nice Rocky Mountain. Grip finish here, so even when it gets wet or if you're in a fight and it gets bloody, you won't lose your grip. So this is made for the survivalist, the warrior for combat, whatever branch of service you're in, to fight with and defend with, or in your survival situation, because security is an important survival task, as well as for the hunter, the woodsman, to clean their game, butcher their game. So it's Mountain Predator Survival Combat Buoy at Stroop Knives. You can go to ejsnire.com. It's there on my website to check it out. But I like this crazy. Doesn't it look crazy? Mm -hmm. Man, here, yeah. hold that yeah, thing. Yeah. Look at that thing. That's amazing, dude. I love the I love the kind of like just primitive look of it, like yeah. a Viking. Viking, Viking yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not as light. It's light for you. 
Uh, it I mean, is, it's not it's not it's ridiculously not heavy, heavy, but yeah. the balance is there. It, the balance is nice. And yeah. once you like, it's a I, big. It's, this is a big. It is a big. It's knife. a big blade. Yeah. Now, now Stroop has some smaller ones. We'll talk about this one over here. But I like my it. thing with people with their knives. Don't buy my knife because you want my knife. I'm a knife collector and I collect knives. I love cool looking knives, so I collect them that way. So if you're a knife collector for that reason, great. But your everyday use knife, like whatever you're doing, get the knife that works for you. Yes. Practice with it, maintain it, and learn how to use it. Because when you just pick up a knife and you've not had it in your hand, you got to go slow. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Because you can get yourself hurt. So you've got to be careful when you just pick something up. There's a learning curve. And so you got to get comfortable with those blades. Now, I don't have as much. I have about a year's time on this. So I'm getting, I'm getting better with it. Not like my SXB, which I've got close to 10 years' time on it now. And, you know, it's... So the Mountain Predator, uh, EJSchneider.com, it's a very nice knife. Uh, and then we sell some other ones over there. He's got some tactical knives. Uh, he's got general use knives to, uh, or general purpose knives to GPs, uh, to TUs or tactical utility. Um, and they're, they're all brilliant. And they, if you like a bigger blade, too, he's got a BK, yeah, BK for big knife. Very, very thoughtful. Uh, but it's a great, great blade. So there's, so that's a new project I collaborated on. And like Tell I am, a, that it's, I'm a loyalist, like, right? Yeah. So I went to Topps Knives and let them know I was going to do this. Doesn't mean, you know, I'm a Topps Knives guy. You know, that's, those are my guys. Gave me my first, my big knife, the SXB. And every great action hero needs a sidekick. So I got the SXS, the Skullcrusher Extreme Sidekick with Topps. You can go to TopsKnives.com to find those. My big, my friend, Big Bernie, Big B. Out of L.A., he does Big B's Leatherworks. Shout out to Big B. Big B, go. You can find him on Facebook. <laughs> uh, Facebook, Facebook, and it's Big B's Leatherworks, and he does brilliant custom sheath, uh, custom sheaths, all leather. I wanted a couple of pioneering looking sheaths for mm. my lives. Okay. Because I've been doing this. I did the show um, Mountain Masters, and I want that primitive look. I want. I always want. Some good leather sheets. I have a, an infatuation with them. And I just wanted some primitive-looking stuff to go to, to substitute for my Kydex when I didn't want to carry my Kydex. So I had he done two for me. One is a drop, a, a drop, a, you know, it's a belt It's like a drop sheath, loop, yep. Like a drop sheath. It has a detachable, smaller pouch that goes on the outside. I could take off and strap on the belt or whatever, which can hold an Altoids can or whatever you want for survival items or sharpening stone. And on this one, I have the main compartment for my SXB, which I carry as a left-handed sheath. Because this knife is so big, when you pull it out, if you're going to fight with it and you need it to be ready, I have to pull it out, draw it, and I have to turn it around to fight. So oh, okay. I always draw. And you can go a crossover. Uh, but I, I'm not as flexible. Oh, I see. Because i just, got such a drawing. big chest. Okay, and yeah, yeah. Look, I can't. As much yoga as I do, I still can't get there. Hurts my chest. So I pull it out left-handed. It's a left-handed sheath, but I pull it out as a blade earth down draw, which helps me for fighting anyway. And so that's why I do that. And then in the slot behind this little pouch is another little sheath spot for the compatibility blade. So it's a nice system. And it's a really beautiful thing. I wish you folks could see it. It's the, it look how he does the nice leather. He beats it up on his on – his, uh, he's got a stucco mm. wall. So he smashes it on the stucco wall when he's doing the leather, and it gives us this aged look. And it's just beautiful. And if you want, go to my YouTube channel, uh, Survive with EJ, 
And I've got two videos on these sheets so you can see them there. And when you go there, don't forget to subscribe and hit the little bell so you don't miss any of the updates because we're going to do some stuff with Mr. Beast this year, and you're not going to want to miss it. The other sheet that I have for my Mountain Predator, which is a regular right-handed draw, uh, but it is a leather, beautiful sheet, the shape of the Mountain Predator with the ridgebacks, and it's got Rattlesnake on the front. Okay. It is is so cool. I love rattlesnakes. I love to cuddle with them, and I love to eat them and kill them and eat them, make a stew. So you go to my YouTube channel again, survivalwithdj.com. Lots of good survival information there. We're blowing it up this year. I just got funded. I'm blowing up the Skull Crusher LLC program. I don't have to wait for people to fund me. I've got my own video team. We're going to bring exciting stuff. So I've got three nice. uh, YouTube uh, shows that we're going to do, survival shows. So you're going to be probably putting up one or two a month that you can wit- – it's going to be 30 to 40-minute shows. Nice. Like one of them is going to be in the spirit of dual survival, so to speak, called The Edge of Survival. Uh, it's going to be solo, doubles, and triples. We're going to do something similar to uh, Mountain Masters. We're going to do a survival skills competition, award prizes to get to the last person standing. And people have been asking for that. So I don't understand why Mountain Masters didn't do so well on Inspire Network. They, everyone loved it, got great ratings, but they let it die. Hmm. And we, we, we had four people competing for a $10,000 cash prize. I'm not giving out a $10,000 cash prize yet. Maybe. We'll see. But we're going to have people compete for this of all backgrounds, woodsmen, survivalists, and do survival tasks, bring in some celebrity guest judges, and just to send them, send them down the road, I'll host a show. Then I'm going to do something for the fans. In the style of Mr. Beast, who's inspired me, who's a brilliant kid, God bless you, Jimmy, giving away money, that, and he puts more money back into his videos than he makes. Such a great spirit philanthropist. This guy, you know, you want to talk about guy doing good stuff, just, just check him out, Mr. Beast. Uh, but, you know... He does a lot of things, that he, and I've been studying him and people that have dissected the way he does things. Now, you could copy somebody, and you're not just say it's going to work for you. But I'm going to try and do what he's doing in his life with the survival world and take a little of his, the lessons I've learned from him and, and what people have talked about him and do some fun with the, with the, with the fans, teach them to come out, do fire, and maybe we'll hand them some frozen logs. Now make a fire. You know, do some stuff like that where they win prizes and cash and – and just get people out to get outside, you know. Suck the bone marrow of life, people. Put the phone down, get unplugged, and get outside. It will heal you. Nature heals. Bam. Bam. What's yeah. bam? Bam. What, el- what else can we say? <laughs> what the heck? Didn't we have more notes? There's something else we're supposed to talk about. So okay, here's, let's here's give a quick rundown. Yeah, I was going to say. Give, so us, give early, us three or four or five. Okay, so area, uh, earlier last year, we learned from the uh, pandemic that people are going to bug in. Yep. 90% of the world's going to bug in. 5% are going to bug out or just going somewhere to bug in anyway. And 5% of this people on this earth have the true skills that can go out with just a knife and live like a, a, a locust. And go from place to place. and I'd say less than 1%. Probably less than that. Yeah. I mean, so what we did was we came up with the ultimate bug-in and home defense guide. It's a film. I'm trying. I'm going to put it into a publication as a book uh, when we find the, the right publisher. So if you're a publisher, you want to publish this book, get with us because Penguin passed. And we'd be happy to go, and I'll get you with my literary agent. But 
That being said, you can get the video on my website, ejsnyder.com, and it teaches you how to prepare your house and what are the things you need to put in it for bad days coming. And then how to defend it by the five Ds. And it talks about getting from your work or school to home, what you need in the vehicle to get there. And if you can't get through the vehicle, how to route plan yourself with your pace plan to get home. And then when you're home, how to defend it, keep your family safe and all that stuff. Simple things. You, you know, people talk about budget survival. If you go to my YouTube channel, I talk about that. Survival on a budget. Dollar store survival. Walmart bug out bag. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be rich to do it, but if you can buy good gear, buy good gear. But there's, a, there's something for every budget out there. You just have to think outside the box. And so that's the kind of stuff. I teach survival for the everyday George Owen. I'm not interested in making next bear grills or Cat Bigney or anybody like that, Laura Zara or Cody Lundin. I want to make you the best you can do for you and for your family. And it takes gear to do that. I have plenty of preparedness gear, medical gear. We're expanding that to outdoor outfitters this year. Go to my website, sign up with your email so you don't miss out. we got sales for subscribers. We're doing great things for you, and we're teaching you what you need to know. Keep your family safe. This year, we're going to do big things. I'm opening up a pickle company, Freedom Pickles, veteran-owned, and we're going to help veterans. 10% of the proceeds right off the bat now are going to help veterans. We're going to build. We're going to partner up with them in my Skull Crusher LLC campaign to go do survival uh, camps for veterans, get them outside, backpack and horseback riding with some of my other friends, and we're going to donate a lot of our proceeds back to the cause and help veterans and first responders and, 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 and make this a better place for the world. Other than that, we've got an app coming out. It's going to be like the Airbnb of the hunting world, so I'll say about that. It's uh, G14 classified, but you're going to not want to miss it. We're going to have it ready for this hunting season, we hope. Uh, I'm going to be in a video game, a VR experience video game coming to you, folks. Oh, nice. So with this video game, we're going to have experts out there that are shooters, are snipers, uh, doing fishing, doing this and this and that. And I'm going to be part of the survival experience. And you're going to come up there and you're going to put your VR glasses on to this virtual reality place, which gives me vertigo. I can't do it. My kids got it. I put this thing on. I got zombies coming at me. I'm like about to fall over. Makes me dizzy. But some people like it. So in this video, you'll see me, and I'll be like standing there in front of you, come out of the woods. And I'll be standing there, E.J. Schneider, right in front of you, virtual. Hey there, Greenhorn. What are you doing out here? You don't look like you can last a day out here in a place like this. You better stay close to me, Greenhorn. I'll show you how to do it. Come on. I'll show you how to survive. Let's go. And off you'll go with me, and I'll do these survival things. I don't understand all this, how it works. But you'll have a survival experience, maybe like a dual survival experience. Maybe... A naked and afraid experience, and you're going to be sitting there with your VR goggles on. You better get your bag and be naked out there and bring the blur, and we're going to do it that way. We don't know yet. I'm just funny, but we're throwing out a bunch of crazy ideas for you, the fans, what you would like to see in a virtual reality game. So if you liked, if you think you want to know something with this virtual reality game, you can follow me on all my social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at EJSnyder333. Come follow me. E.J. Snyder, blue checked. All of them are blue checked, but blue checked on Facebook. And, you know, I'm on this rumble now, too. It's a rumble thing. Uh, But I'm out there to connect with you. So if you could go with your ideas, follow me on on Instagram, and you could send DM me your thoughts on what you would like to see in a virtual reality experience from some military veterans and and survivalists and defense. Uh, We're going to even have a a self-defense guy doing hand-to-hand what you would like to see and how you would like to see it. We would cherish those ideas. 
And uh, that's a lot headed up for this year already. Um, I think there's something else I'm supposed to be doing in there. But uh, God bless, man. Go to my website and sign up, (laughs) ejsnyder.com. That's all I'll say about that. EJ Snyder, the oh, one and only. Oh, dear. Brother, I'm so glad you came by. Uh, thanks for having me. That was me. the easiest podcast I did all week. I don't know why. What do you, <laughs> mean? I, you know, folks, it's just about being you. People meet me out here all the time. Like, You're just the same way you are as on TV. I said, yeah, well, that's just how I am in life. I am love life. I am passionate about life. And I embrace life with every ounce of vigor in my system. Can you believe I'm 57 years old and I wish I could bottle this up in a little bottle and sell it to everybody. But you can, <laughs> you can be that, people. And what it is is it's making right with God, figuring out who you want to be, and don't let nobody tell you you can't be that. And you get out there and you suck the bone out of life because tomorrow's not guaranteed. So what are you doing sitting on the couch? Get up off the couch. Shut this podcast over. We appreciate you listening. And get out there and start living life. Woo! Amen, uh, brother. Skull crushing America. One skull at a time. Amen, brother. Bring it in. Fist bump. Uh, it's a fist bump. Boom. All right, EJ everybody. Snyder, the one and only. Thank you, sir. Yeah! We'll do this again sometime, okay? Yeah! <laughs> Stay happy, America. And be a better human. All right, my friends, before we head out of here, don't forget to check out the new Pack One Knife over at our mothership, ultimatesurvivaltips.com. While you're there, you can grab the show notes for this podcast, grab a ton of free training content, jump into our survival masterclass, and subscribe to my free weekly survival EMAG newsletter for survival and preparedness tips new gear announcements, gear reviews, and subscriber-only giveaways and discounts. All right, I think that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Until then, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.